Happy Friday, drag lovers! This week's guest is Dave Doucette, a.k.a. Amanda Villa, or affectionately, Mandy. For those who know me well, I flippin' adore drag queens, so I was a complete starstruck, nervous mess for this interview, but I promise Dave's boundless charm offsets this. We chat about how hockey played a large part in launching Dave's drag career, how listening is one of the most important parts of being a successful queen, some behind the scenes, and much more. Dave exudes authenticity and possesses an effortless grace in and out of drag. On with the show. Okay, so welcome, Dave Doucette, to Sarnia Famous. Um, I can't, I don't know if you can tell, but I am so flippin' nervous right now and excited. Um about this interview. So I also forgot to say that you, your stage name is Amanda Villa, but for those who get to know you, they go, you go by Mandy. It's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting lots of people here in Sarnia. My God. <laughs> so welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, very excited. I actually wrote like a whole page of notes and I normally don't prepare for these interviews at all. So that's how excited I am. So you were telling me you're wearing this gorgeous jersey because hockey is starting. I'm completely clueless. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, Leafs. well, I'm one of the unfortunate people who's decided to be a Leaf fan for, <laughs> my, for a lifetime. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I am a diehard fan and played hockey for a lot of years of my life, too. So it's, uh, it's a big thing in my life, and I'm excited today. I noticed that I was reading up that you, yeah, you played hockey for many years and you, this is not your first drag name. Amanda Villa is not your first drag name. No. Uh, so for me, drag really was quite interconnected with playing sports. So uh, there was in Toronto where I lived for 20 years, there was a gay hockey league. And prior to that, I played in the gay hockey league in Vancouver. And it was in Vancouver where I saw my first drag show. I wanted to do something uh, with the, the gay uh, hockey league out in Vancouver. We had teams coming in for a tournament, and I wanted to sort of give them some drag. So in my very first performance, um, I got done up in drag by what I, what I call my drag mother, basically. And the name Dawn Cherry just was obvious because of the hockey piece and... Of course, spelled like a, like the dawn of the morning, and um, it just, it never, it stuck for that time. But then when I became professional, I just, I'm a bit of a plant nerd, and so that's where the name comes from today. But um, hockey's still in my life, clearly, and yeah, Don Cherry, still a good one. If anyone wants it, I don't think anyone's using it. <laughs> You're willing to uh, to give it to someone else. If they want to claim it. So it was being in the hockey league that inspired you to do the drag altogether, or is that something, is drag something you've had the inclination to do even before that? Well, I think as gay boys, you know, all of us have stories of putting on our mom's shoes and, you know, expressing the feminine side of ourselves, uh, exploring whether we're comfortable with it, exploring how other people react to it, all of that stuff. But for me, the drag piece was a natural, uh, it evolved naturally from my 
theater um, experience in high school, even a little bit in university. And uh, I also had, in my younger days, had some confusion. Like, I was mistaken as a girl uh, a few times. So, in a way, it was like, well, I think I can pull it off then. And I'm a theater, you know, as a theater kid. Saw my first drag in Vancouver. So, really, what the Gay Hockey League was, was me manifesting a way to perform for the first time. Like... After I saw it, I'm like, I can pull this off. And, um, you know, I have a campy, I always have had a campiness to, to who I am anyway. It just, it just matched perfectly. So I did, I did a number where by the end of it, I came out of all of my drag and was there and started putting on my hockey equipment. I was trying to show this, sort of the combination of the two worlds can coexist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was really the Gay Hockey League that, allowed me a place to express. And then when I moved to Toronto, I just, you know, I started a whole pageant kind of event in the Gay Hockey League. So I kept doing it. A, a drag pageant within the Hockey League? Yeah. How did that work? Tell me more about that. So it exists today still. I was actually a judge in the pageant the last oh, time it happened. Yeah, because obviously I don't live in Toronto anymore, but I do go back. And um, it's funny, when I moved to Toronto, I emailed the executive to say, oh, I'm a, you know, a good hockey player, I'm coming to uh, Toronto, and I'm a drag queen. <laughs> and so this guy, Tom, he, uh, he was dying to meet this person who, who openly expressed that they're a good hockey player and a drag queen, this yeah. paradox, this you know, contradiction. So... Um, uh, yeah, they they had a little event that they would do every year, and I dragged it up, called it the Ice Queen Pageant, <laughs> and um, usually it involved one to to five, or like sometimes single, sometimes group numbers, um, and just performing at the biggest bar in Toronto at Woody's. I'm actually going back in October for an event through the drag that still continues in the Gay Hockey League today that I, you know, contributed a big part to. They're doing a um, fundraiser for mental health. So it's, it's a drag and mental health combination thing. Mm. But the fact that it still exists today, it's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, that's going to be a, a great feeling. Um, you are someone who hustles, though. And I, I should say, uh, I moved out to Sarnia, I think it's five years ago. And I come from a big city... Uh, Calgary and uh, in Calgary drag is big there's drag everywhere and it was something that I kind of grew up with and loved going to and when I moved out here there was no one here and that I knew and I thought well maybe there'll be a drag show I can go to and not a whisper of a drag show and now it seems like drag is taking over Saria and you seem to be very much at the center of that so, because I mean, um, you're doing, you got story time, you got bingo, you got shows, you're everywhere. Yeah, thank you. Um, listen, the, the story is pretty simple. Uh, I was, when I left teaching, side note, luckily left it just before the pandemic, so mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with any of that. <laughs> but I went through the pandemic like everyone else, and um, I started pulling out of my tickle trunk 
some old things and went on Facebook Live and I started letting my passion get pulled by whatever uh, pulled it. In other words, I wasn't searching desperately for an audience because I was with Lavender Promotions. It's a the promotions company I'm with for my drag. And he just usually does the big headliners are like the, the drag race girls and then us professionals would be the openers. So it was kind of that sort of thing. But when I did my first show in Sarnia, I found all of the cool people. Like, you know, the, the ones that I could kind of relate to. They were all there at Refined Fool Davis Street on the patio. It was a sold-out show, and I was the host. There were some tech glitches. I had to sort of hold the show together. And, I mean, I got a lot of feedback from that. And here I was, like, first professional show with Lavender Promotions, and I'm getting the feedback I, I was hoping for. Like, mm. And then after meeting those people, you know, it's really, uh, it's Refined Fool. It's these other places that are start bringing me in for bingo, and I start meeting other queens uh, in the area, and um, Diversity Ed. And, and, and before you know it, my name is getting out there. And honestly, I you say hustle. I mean a little bit, for sure. Um, especially try to get people to come to the show so they stay alive. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in terms of the, the people reaching out to me, I'd like to think it, it's really just me being myself out there on stage and people falling in love with it. And hopefully I'm forging a path for others to always have a place to perform. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of the dream. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking on a lot right now, but I'm also willing to be someone who provides opportunities for other queens. And, you know, I'm getting old, and I'm, I know I just sort of started this professionally, but I can't do it forever at the same uh, energy level that I do today. So who knows? Uh, people are learning about me, and I'm tough. <laughs> I, I, so my first thought, um, as you were saying all that, is would you ever go on RuPaul onto Drag Race? Um, RuPaul's Drag Race is something I think I could do well at. Mm -hmm. um, the challenges they seem to be geared towards performers mm. and people that can hold the hold their own and uh, so I think I could do well I would I who knows you know a lot of us Queens will throw our tape in there and see what happens we'll see what happens I just uh, you know if they want an old girl on there they haven't done that yet so never know well, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said that if, if you don't feel as though you're really hustling to get these shows and stuff going, then it sounds like it's meant to be. The momentum is, it, you're finding a niche, you're finding a, a want, and if it's natural, if it's falling into place, it's kind of like finding your dharma or finding your purpose or... I try to see it that way, you know, um... <laughs> Because I do, like I said, I do feel pulled. Uh, you can say pulled or let the wind blow you and like whatever the expression, it it feels authentic, I gotta mm -hmm. say. I probably haven't felt the most authentic in my skin in my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's part of it too, right? Once the person is comfortable where they are, sometimes things do fall into place. 
So I know you were a teacher, was it 13 years with the Toronto yeah. School Board? And yeah. what I thought about when I read that was the drag story time. And yeah. I wondered if there was any kind of overlaps, if you were taking any of your experience teaching kids into your drag story time. Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, yes. Yes, of course. Right. Because I've read hundreds of storybooks and there was a push for a while uh, in the board to read storybooks and ask questions as you read them. Get kids into the story by having them respond to what they're seeing and, and, and hearing. So I do a lot of that. It'll be a stop and, ooh, I wonder what that character is thinking in the book right now. Or, um, hmm, has anyone ever had that experience? Or, you know, it's a way of, of sharing the book entirely. And, um, and it builds comprehension because we should ask questions as we're reading, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that teacher element. Um, also just... Being around kids, I, I know how to be around kids, you know, and help kids and, and encourage kids to be themselves, feel comfortable, all that. Um, and um, book choice, for me, you know, there's, the, there's a couple ways you could do drag queen story time. You can sort of pound the kids over the head with a message and parents or, um, you know, find those lovely illustrated, you know, the, with lyrical words where uh, the message comes out in the story more subtly, you know, and it does force us to ask questions instead of just sit there and be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to think or believe. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say, yeah, a lot of teaching stuff uh, guides me in those moments. So I'd like to think I'm, yeah, I'm a good candidate for that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, I'm curious why... Because, I mean, I've read, I've done a lot of reading, and I have my own opinions on it, of course. Uh, and I know there's been a little bit of controversy, which I think often accompanies drag story times. But why do you think that having drag story times specifically is is important for kids? Hmm. I wouldn't go so far as to say it is important for kids, um, but I do think it's a nice, fun way of. Um, spending some time together. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a man in a costume, not unlike any performer. Um, mine helps to enhance the feminine side of myself. And I think, you know, drag, whether people want to face it or, or not, is a part of our lives. My goodness, one of the highest Emmy uh, award-winning shows in history is RuPaul's Drag Race. Yep. Like, it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Sorry, but it's a thing, and 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 I happen to love doing these things, and I you know, I I just think it's an opportunity to show kids that expression, costuming, using your imagination isn't such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Look, nobody forced me to be a drag queen. I mean, I was raised by heterosexual parents, like most of us. I um, it's just something that fell in my life. I can't speak for everybody, but it fell in my life naturally, and I went with it. I tend to listen to the universe or listen to messages from others, and teaching got in the way, <laughs> but sets me up with a nice retirement. But it's like, I don't know. I think it's a great opportunity for families and kids to hang out. 
and let's be honest, there, there are some kids who are uh, queer-leaning, or, or however you want to say it, which shows them even more wonderful opportunity that, you know, you can be yourself. Look, I knew from a very young age that I was different than the other boys. But, you know, Dad put me into hockey, and I did the whole typical male thing. And But, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a safe place. Mm. Nobody's judging anybody when they walk into there. All the parents are so happy to see each other. You know, the bookstore benefits because uh, people will buy stuff you know, based on even the books I was reading or the puppet I was playing with or, I don't know. I think people read too much into it mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, my my best advice is come see it in action instead of creating some narrative of what you think's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come, it's public space. That's a perfect answer. I uh, So much of when you're growing up, you're looking for role models that match what you, what you feel inside and how, you know, seeing that, seeing someone embody something that speaks to you, especially when you're little and you're so scared and you have no idea what you're doing, having diverse role models in a variety of different capacities. I think that's great. I think that's important for, pardon? Thank you for saying that. No, thank you for saying that. And yes, thank you for thinking that's important. It's like, that's the best way to say it. Why not diverse role models? Like, I'm not over in drag hanging out at dinner time and, oh, time to go outside and take the dog for a walk. You know, like, I'm not an intimate person in their lives. Like, mm. I'm just this one once-a-month thing that happens at uh, the bookkeeper. And, um, I mean, seriously, what is the harm in diversifying yes. some kid's experience? Like... And you make a good point, too, though, in terms of not taking it too, too seriously, because I think a lot of what comes out as controversy is people overthinking it. Saying, for example, I've read um, that drag is too sexual for kids. It, I suppose it can be. But looking at the video of you at the bookkeeper in that beautiful magenta dress during, um, was it a, it was a song about Old MacDonald, right? I can't remember. Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald, thank you very much. And it was so cute and you're dancing and you've got this beautiful dress and the kids are watching and like that's not sexualized. That's, you know, a show at the bookstore about Old MacDonald for heaven's sake. Um, so it is important to remind ourselves not to get too hung up on, you know, overthinking these kinds of things. Yeah, and I think, you know, hopefully I can be a role model for even other performers. You know, mm-hmm. I, again, like I do come with a Bachelor of Education working mm-hmm. with kids, not just as a teacher for 13 years, but before that, obviously, to get the experience to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I worked at a summer camp down in Maine for four years. But, like, my life has been full of wonderful experiences. But, you know, the, I always say, we, we say a couple things. Um, one, does your kid watch Drag Race? Um, if you're allowing your kid to watch Drag Race, then, it, then a drag show shouldn't be a problem. No. Two, anything after 8 p.m., typically we're not taking our kids to a bar. I mean... You know, we know as adults that the bar is the place for adulting. 
<laughs> and you know, I don't know. That's a parent choice, but like, yes, drag is going to be a little bit saucy because that's part of the the fun of it. You know, audience members eat that up. Mm -hmm. They they come for it. You know, the comedy, the campiness, the sauciness, the sexiness. Um, it just makes for a fun a fun time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just keep your kids at home if that's not what you want to like bring your kids to. Yeah. I don't think I would bring kids to a show past 8 p.m. Period. Even if they had seen Drag Race, frankly, that's my opinion because it's an evening. We're all drinking. We're all having a good time. Mm -hmm. There's going to be swearing at the very least. <laughs> that's very true, though. That that becomes a parental job it's not your yep. job after in those spaces after 8 p.m where there's that general understanding this is an adult space if you are exposing your children to that then that's your choice as a parent it's not your problem as a performer to worry about censoring yourself because someone's child is there and it is it's two very different drag story time and a drag show are two very different very different things. How mom dresses at the bookstore might be a little different to what mom wears to the bar. So it's no no different there yeah, either. Yes. yes. And they've seen mom and dad come home after a few drinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please. But I am doing, for example, this coming Thursday uh, at uh, Imperial City Brew House, a taboo trivia. Ooh. So it, it's going to get a little sexy and mischievous i'm sure <laughs> is that going so i should say i probably won't air this episode until next friday so is this is taboo trivia like an ongoing event or is it a one-time only thing so i guess it'll be up to them okay. uh, that, that can happen in this business people will call you in and then get turned on by um you know the turnout and it all depends on how it kind of goes. Okay. But I, yeah. And that's, again, that's Imperial reaching out to me because I go to karaoke there a lot. Mm -hmm. Making the connection between, oh, that guy that sings karaoke is, is that, uh, you know, performer as Amanda Villa. Um, and then they start talking to me. Like, I'm telling you, I feel very blessed. I feel very pleased that of all places, Sarnia <laughs> is... It's truly embracing what I'm putting down, so. Okay. <laughs> it's fabulous. I'm very glad that it's taking this change. Um, and that, so I saw the video, or one of the videos, I guess, of you singing karaoke at the, and I actually didn't realize it was karaoke at first. I thought, uh, I thought you were doing a lip sync, because I was like, this is a very professional sounding song and then I realized that it was actually you singing so what's your favorite favorite song to karaoke to karaoke to oh um don't you forget about me by simple mind mm. and what about for drag uh probably all I know so far by pink and, and what about the pink song makes it your favorite drag song to perform the story I sometimes get audience members coming to tears slightly when I do it, so I know that I'm moving people. Um, I, I perform the, the message in the song, and uh, 
You know, it starts off, I haven't always been this way. And it, and I kind of laugh with the audience, and, um, and then off we go. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I love doing it. I always wear a short wig when I do it. I'm kind of, you know, channeling pink a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's one that is probably one of my signature songs and i i just did it recently for the um rebound handbag gala and i enjoyed doing it again it'll always be there for me for sure (laughs) i got um skin like a goose when you sang that little bit and then it reminded me of another thing that i read that i loved um you had said in an article, I think it was, that listening is one of the most important parts of being a drag queen. And I was just, I want to hear more about that because it just, it struck me. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think this might be part of the secret why lots of people are finding out about me or reaching out is because I really engage my audience, not only from the stage if I'm hosting, but I'll make sure to go out in the audience and talk with people, have a good time with them, um, contribute to their night in some way with, like, a joke or, you know, and then ask them things about themselves, ask them a question or two. And inevitably, I'm going to get one or two people that then want my ear and Mm -hmm. start asking all kinds of questions themselves or telling me their story or, you know, what drag has meant to them, perhaps. And uh, I don't know. I pride myself on that. You know, my ears need to be open, not just for the music on the stage, but for what people want to share. Because you got to remember, it's, a, it's an emotional event. You know, you get very excited by... Because the queens are performing, like, all over the place. And maybe you're nervous because it's your first show, or... Maybe you're thrilled because you went there with a group of friends or maybe your boyfriend got you a ticket for your birthday and mostly everybody that's there is having a great time and maybe somewhat emotionally available. Mm. (laughs) And I get, uh, I love that. So yeah, again, I'm not sure all queens would say uh, that as part of what it means to be a drag queen, but I think so. And I think it's paying off. People are, are seeing that, yeah, I care about you. I want to know about you. Let's hang out. Let's chat, you know. Let's have a cigarette. <laughs> I love it. It it was it was a beautiful quote and it took me by surprise because if asked, I probably wouldn't have said that that is one of the important parts of being a drag queen. I would have said, you know, confidence or you know, makeup skills or any of those other things, which I'm sure are still important, but I would not have thought of listening. So that's definitely a a superpower that you have. Um, Are you still doing your Mandy Monday interviews? Read Mm. something about that as well. Yeah. So that is, you know, if we, if we flip back to earlier in this conversation, that was when I was in Toronto and the pandemic hits Mm -hmm. And I went Facebook Live and got lots of good feedback. And I thought, well, why not start an Instagram account? I called it the Mandy Channel when I first started. And I've switched it since to the Ms. Amanda Villa. But uh, I reached out to drag queens, like, frantically. Some of them probably thought, like, who does this person think they are? And 
I snagged a few people for interviews, a few drag queens from Toronto, um, a couple drag queens from the Lavender Promotions roster, uh, other creatives, performers, singers. And I did this little half hour to 45 minute uh, thing, asked questions. We did like a 20 second lip sync so that the they wouldn't get t torn down. You know, they were tearing down everything at that time that was infringing on music rights and did the best I could. And it was from that that um, my drag manager reached out to me. I had met him 20 years before that in the Gay Hockey League, actually. And he saw me perform at that time 20 years previous. And he goes, well, honey, you won that thing. If you're still anything close to what you used to be in your, you know, 30s or whatever, um, I'd be interested in signing you. So it was it was the, the Mandy Monday that got him sort of seeing me again. And then after he put that sort of idea out, I, I really got more serious and started buying uh, better costumes, wigs, etc., and made a run for it. But yeah, all those Mandy Mondays, it was fun. And every show started with, it's just another Mandy Monday. <laughs> I love that. I just, um, <laughs> I was thinking it'd be an excellent podcast. And so that was why I was hoping that you were still doing it. Because um, I love anything podcast. So, but it sounds like maybe that got put to the side now that you are yeah. focusing on the more live stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. I yeah. mean, it is a lot. You're getting into full drag for an interview. Um, it was fun during the pandemic because I had nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've done a couple since, but it's... it's not, I am looking to do a YouTube series, um, actually with Karma Chameleon, a drag queen from Hamilton, who uh, will be here on the 22nd for a show. Love them. And uh, Karma and I both feel comfortable on the stage. We've performed together on the mic. And we have this idea for an interview show where we're the hosts. But um, we'll see where that goes. She's coming here for about four days. And we're going to talk it out. Maybe do some um, teaser footage or something. Yeah. That sounds exciting. So how long, if you don't mind, maybe this is too personal, but how long does it take you to get yourself all dolled up in drag? Oh, gosh, that is not a personal question. It's one of the most commonly asked questions. Oh, really? Okay. To be honest, and I and it, it comes from men and women. Like, I think there's just a fascination with the transformation, and obviously it's a lot of makeup. I mean, honey, you're painting for the back of the room, right? <laughs> and... I like three hours. Now, that sounds like a lot, but I like to get in the bathtub, shave, in the tub, apply the creams, get the face prepared, start the thing, you know, go have a sip of beer, which I'm doing right now, lovely Ontario lager from Refined <laughs> Fool. Um, uh, go have a cigarette, go puff on a J. Like, you know, I like to take my time, and then I like to, you know, by the time I put my shoes on, walk out the door, I'd like about three hours. Now, I, two is often what I'm given. And I've even gotten ready in 45 minutes mm. um, where I could take my my costume, my wigs to the gig and put them on there before the show, which sometimes happens. But 
it probably varies for everybody. I think every queen would say comfortably they'd like to have between one and two hours, you, you know. You know, and the more we do it, the better we get at it, and it takes less time, all that. Well, it sounds like part of it can be a bit of a self-care regimen as well, so taking that time in the bath and the relaxing, and does that yes. help you get into a headspace for performance? Yes, of course, because I'll take in my little <clears throat> Bluetooth speaker and listen to my lip syncs. You know, you'll, you'll find me in the bathtub. <laughs> Moving to the song and trying to get the nuance exactly of how the artist is singing the song. And it's usually my final prep. And then I'll just get into makeup mode and usually with just some other random music. And then off we go, you know. Um, yeah, it really is. It is a bit of self-care because when you're putting this much makeup on yourself, uh, you got to take care of the skin under it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite makeup line that you typically use? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> so when I found out Trixie Mattel um, uses like color stay stuff that you can find at shoppers, I'm like, I'm gonna be a shoppers girl, and then. A Canada's Drag Race started, uh, Shoppers is sponsoring them. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah. Huh. So, yeah, I I don't order these palettes online. I live with a drag queen, so I have the benefit of using their stuff once in a while. But, no, I go with palettes that I've, you know, mostly got at Shoppers and foundations and powders and uh, brushes I've been gifted at times mm. or... Um, it's really a, a ragamuffin set of uh, makeup, really, every time. So I guess I'm proof, although some people might argue, <laughs> that you can look pretty good, <laughs> even with uh, over-the-counter stuff. Getting them optimum points at shoppers while you get your drag yes, makeup. Honey. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So do you have... Um, say like a, a costume or a certain wig or something that you're coveting that you haven't quite gotten yet that you're looking forward to adding to your collection down the road? Huh. I sort of don't think that way. So not really. Mm -hmm. I will. Um, I've got a lot of wigs now, so I got to slow down. I, <laughs> I mean, I have a few wigs. And, well, I have a few I'd like to get restyled. Um, and I know some people that would be willing to help me out that way and stuff. So, I don't know, like, for example, Halloween. Yeah, I could go out there and buy or get made the most exquisite drag Halloween costume. But I have enough things that I can piece something together. I went out on Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to pick up a couple things that I think will work. I kind of go by what's the gig. Do I need something? Um, uh, you know, I have a this lovely drag artist, Edie Violet, out of London or out of St. Thomas, does my a lot of my costumes. But I'll be inspired by things I see on TV. I'll be inspired by other performers. I can be inspired by images on the Internet, and I'll send them to Edie, and uh, I can get something pretty quickly. But, but they're busy, busy, busy. So, again, 
right now in my life, I'm not looking forward to anything specific. But you know, that brain will get going, and all of a sudden I'm going to have to add something, even though I probably don't need to. <laughs> Fair enough. So it's more of a spontaneous desire than Absolutely. a... Um, Absolutely. You'll have to forgive me when you say restyling a wig. Can you elaborate on that? My wig knowledge is like zero. So what does that mean? Well, it means getting in there with your brush. And oh, literally. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Like teasing the wig out and um, and then relaying it and, and spraying and whatever, whatever. I've tried a couple of times. I've got a blonde wig that I'm working on right now just to get it styled a little bit. I'm learning a thing or two myself. I'd love to be able to do my own wigs. Okay. That would give me a lot of freedom and... Um, because they, they come out of the bag just straight, right? Like, oh, usually. Oh, okay. And so then it then wouldn't be a matter of, like, when you're getting ready, you style it in the moment. It would be pre, pre-done. pre mm -hmm. oh. Like, it depends. Okay. Yep. So, mm -hmm. hmm. I guess I pictured it, like, when I'm getting ready, I do something with this. <laughs> but it would be handy if it was pre-done for me. I didn't have to worry. Yeah, it's usually just a slip-on, and then they have um, clips in them, so you clip them to something that you have strapped around your head, and then there's a lace front, so you got to lay that down with glue, and contour mm -hmm. with color to help hide the lace front, and all that. So yeah, honey, there's no time to style away <laughs> when you get home. Got other things to do in the three hours than styling yeah. there. <laughs> Gosh, I know, I know I'm going to walk away from this and I'm going to think of a hundred things that I wanted to ask you because I'm just so excited. I know that that's going to happen, but of course I can't think of any of them right now. <laughs> so I usually, in my show, I usually like to leave a few minutes toward the end of the episode to give the guest an opportunity to talk about um, a side hustle or a charity or anything at all. Um, typically it would be theater related, perhaps in your case, it could be drag related. You can step away from that if you wish and talk about something else you're passionate about, or you can continue that, that maybe there's another show you want to promote, whatever you want. This is kind of a little platform for that. Okay. Well, I think a good place to sort of explore is, is my connection already with the, um, Sarnia Community Theatre Group and the Imperial Theatre. Um, at the time of this sort of airing, uh, I will have done, I will have opened for Tina Burner and her Witch Perfect show. Are you? Oh my god! I'm going to that! I'm yeah. so excited! Awesome. And hopefully it's going to involve a lot of community members. This is my goal. So as we're recording this, I still have some work to do with that. Um, my goal is to, to have some, um, some of the youth from Steppin' Up uh, Dance Studio, and that's kind of all in the works right now, but um, I'm learning, it's Brian, uh, Brian Austin, I believe, yep. right? Yeah, I'm learning a little bit more about his passion. I'm going to be borrowing, hopefully, a, a throne from him for my Halloween shows. Yeah, and if you want, so if this... Yeah, the 21st, you're hearing this, the 22nd, there's a show at The Crown. 
Um, it's a free show um, that's on Xmouth. It was uh, formerly Lizard something. Oh, yeah, okay. It's The Crown. It's a lovely reinvented bar from the 80s uh, right out of London, uh, England. It's very cool. And, yeah, so, yeah, with the theater, I'm hoping to... Brian will... <laughs> Let me borrow a throne. I have a song I want to use. I just feel like at some point I'm going to be in a show there. I uh, I actually was cast to be part of Beauty and the Beast, but, um, you know, I'm running for public school trustee. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, there's just so much going on in my life. I was yeah. like, I can't take that on. It just felt like I, I might feel overworked, and I don't want to feel overworked for something I am passionate about. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it, that's supposed to be a fun experience, sort of, a, a, you know, an extra part of life. Mm -hmm. So eventually something I'm sure will happen there. And I guess I, my, my two biggest supporters right now are Refined Fool, Billy Joe's been wonderful. She brings lots of amazing events to both Davis Street and London Road. And on the 28th, I'll have our big Halloween show at London Road, which I'm so looking forward to. <laughs> um, Halloween is like Christmas for the gays. You know, we get to dress up and be something different. And it was always uh, like I couldn't rush home from school fast enough on Halloween um, every year. And I'm I'm sure lots of kids are like that, but it just, it was just so special. So to do a show on, for Halloween in drag is, it's going to be epic, i got to say. Um, if we could back up for just one second about the throne, did he give you any details on the, so the reason why I'm asking is um, when I, w I, I was the Wicked Witch in Wizard of Oz, and they fashioned me a throne okay. out of brooms, is that the throne? So I've seen this. Dave Evans showed me a picture of this. Yeah. Which was his idea, apparently. Oh, okay. It was an amazing idea. It was, like, the coolest thing ever. It was hard not to just beam when I was sitting on it because it was so flipping cool. I would love to use that one, of course, but I don't think I have the the capability of, of uh, porting that one, of okay. moving it from the location. It okay. was awfully big. Yes. So, yeah, Hopefully uh, we got a throne. We'll see how that works out. But yes, I know of this gorgeous Game cool. of Thrones-like throne. So cool. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just had to ask that before I forgot, because that would have been so really neat to see that incorporated in a show of yours. I mean, if possible, we'll see. I, that's I think we're still figuring that out. That's I don't need that to, for the earliest, the twenty second, for the crown show, um, which also makes sense. Having the throne at the crown and like doing this song called "The Castle," it just oh, all fits. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Fair enough. Yeah, um, and then the other shout out I have to give to is to Crystal Fah at Diversity Ed. Without Crystal. Um, my first opportunity to perform last summer um, with Scarlet Bobo um, as the headliner from Canada's Drag Race. It was it was everything. Crystal, Billy Joe, and so many names I can name that I met at that first show that uh, I, it just started to make a lot of sense to move here. So I can't talk about my experience here without those two women in particular. 
and then Julie and Susan from the bookkeeper and you know Craig at Imperial and Pam and Tyler and them at Mods and all these places who have really embraced me in drag and just as a performer period uh, is nuts and amazing and uh, you know I have a lot of people to thank for sure and hopefully I'm doing that right along the way um, but uh, yeah it's just been great I am really excited to see what you get into next and it is it's like the town is being kind of revitalized and it's a, a, a warmth that I personally and I'm sure I'm not the only one it, it it feels more like home to me to have more of a drag mm. scene and I'm absolutely delighted that we were able to make it work and that you set some time aside for me this would be something yeah. I'd love to branch off into um, is interviewing more people from the drag community in general so yeah thank you thank you very much well, thanks for letting me, you know, gab a little bit, Dallas. It, you know, when you when you begin to feel very authentic in your mission, your passion, and sort of unwavered, I love sharing my story more and more because I, I know myself now, you know, and I mean, isn't that the goal, really, is mm. to have empathy for yourself mm. and forgive yourself for the stuff that you did along the way and all that? But I feel good. Yeah, thank you so much. Wow, that was so inspiring. Okay, well, thank you. Um, have a lovely evening. Hopefully I'll see you again soon. Yep, off to my shift at Refined Full Davis, do two or three of those a week. So it really is a TV show, right? <laughs> the drag queen that then starts working behind the bar and like this double life. I don't know. There's it's a, happening right here in Sarnia, folks. There you go. We're going to get a show <laughs> going soon. <laughs> okay, thanks again. All right, take care. You too, bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. My next guest is a nerd after my own heart, delightful Sarah Joy. See you then.